Well, we get a little picky about Radio Inc.'s top 40 most powerful people in radio. Well, Keith does. Uh, well, so do both of us. Okay, the value of AM stations seem to have reached a new low, and Disney kind of screws over talent for the sake of... We'll figure that one out. Hi, I'm Jackson Weaver, along with Keith Samuels down in Southern California with our media comments. For Tuesday, August 10th, this is Media Insultant. Okay, Keith, let's not beat up on the Olympics and poor NBC this week. We've, we've picked on them enough over the past couple of weeks. They're licking their wounds now that the Olympics is open or over. But let's pick on somebody else. Let's pick on Disney. No, come on. I want to pick on the – I want to go with NBC. That's such a low-hanging fruit. Well, you Disney's know, make good low. after make good. Ratings in the <laughs> tank. Oh, yes. But at yeah, least was, my, girls but, won, uh, my girls won beach volleyball, you know. Got to love April Ross from Newport Beach, California, my hometown. 39 years old. She pulled it out. She did at 39. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we're still going to pick on Disney because Scarlett Johansson is now, who's starring in the latest Marvel movie, which is called Black Widow, uh, is suing Disney for $50 million in lost income because Disney released the film both theatrically and online in Disney Plus at the same time. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, uh, what pissed her off, and and when did they do the? Why did they do a simultaneous release? Let's start with that one. Okay, uh, you know, good. A lot of lot of uh, you know discussion uh, here in H Town about all of this, and uh, uh, but clearly the marketplace isn't quite at the point where movie theaters have recovered and are really you know thriving again. So it's it's a bit of a struggle for that part of the business anyway. And you combine that with the fact that they now have Disney Plus, their subscription streaming service, and they're going, well, let's see. Some movies we're going to do just on streaming, like the movie my daughter worked on at Pixar, Soul, which was streaming only, uh, or we're going to do a combination. So we decided to do a combination in this case because they are learning so much from the experience the streaming experience, the data they're they're collecting and observing about viewing behavior, who's viewing, where they're viewing, when they're viewing, uh, you know, is just amazing data that's going to inform them from a marketing standpoint about timing, uh, the type of films that get uh, that they can sell the premium thirty dollar viewing experience for, and then you know then uh, you know like later on this this fall they'll be able to see black widow it's just a regular subscriber i'm still waiting to see cruella cruella doesn't come out available on disney plus the 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 basic subscription portion until august 27th so they've had but that raises the question of you know disney is is from the figures i've heard has foregone about 300 million they think in theatrical revenue so they're giving up 300 million they're pissing off one of their key stars to get some data, is that what is yeah. that what this seems yeah. like? Exactly right, exactly right. Now they did do a theatrical release with her, so it's not like they violated the contract and didn't do a theatrical release. They did one, but it's only going to do about five hundred million worldwide, they think, in the end. And typically, the Marvel movies do about a billion box office, and you know, so that's that's where she gets the. 50 million because she's figuring or her agents are or her lawyers are that that would have been her share figuring she probably was getting five percent 
you know, on box office, on top of the 20 million she got to perform the movie. Okay, so she they already paid her 20 million. Now they're going, you know what? We're gonna piss Scarlet off. We're gonna lose some money, but we're gonna learn so much stuff. It's gonna yeah. help us way beyond Scarlett Johansson's lifetime as That's a right. hit star. So I, th- I think it's a, it's an interesting play. They're sucking it up. They took it on the chin, and they're taking a PR hit for sure. But I think I think what they're going to learn from this experience is going to be really amazing, and I look forward to hearing what they have learned. Well, they're very sharp elbowed when it, of all the major studios. They're the sharpest elbows, you know, when it comes to legal moves. There, there's no Snow White in in the hearts of the lawyers at Disney. But they think the data is important and more valuable than the box office receipts. That's a bold and gutsy move. Got to hand it to them. Okay. Radio Inc. has a top 40 most powerful people issue. They've done this for years and years and years. I don't know, 20, 25 years, something like that. And for Radio Inc., I mean, it's a major revenue source. They do a lot of those vanity ads that are pretty big. You know, we'd like to congratulate, you know, kudos to, we're a great team, that kind of thing. But you have to be a subscriber to get this list. It's not available online. So let's get it over with. The number one most powerful player in the radio space is Bob Pittman at iHeart, okay? No surprise, he's been there for the last 10 years. But what Keith and I were talking about is some of the other aspects of the top 40. For example, <laughs> let's start start off, Keith, with who do you think is underrated? Who do I think is underrated? Well, you know, looking at the list, and yes, you mentioned Bob Pittman, who's the CEO of, uh, of iHeartMedia. Um, and I think, and they, they also have Richard Bressler, who's, his, uh, who's the president and COO, CFO, uh, at number nine. So you have the two top guys at iHeart in the top 10. And I, and I think they have to kind of do this. You know, they've got to take both. You know, you can't diss Richard if, you know, if you've got Bob at the top. You know, so they, so they don't. So they're really right. nice about right. it. But I, my number one most underrated person on this list is Greg Ashlock. Greg Ashlock runs the, the radio division, if you will, for iHeart. They call it the multi-platform group or whatever. But it's, it's, it's basically radio, national, local Network. It's all the all the stuff that you're that you see traditional radio uh, encompassing, and Greg oversees all of that. That's he oversees more radio stations than any human being in, alive, and he oversees more radio revenue than any human being alive. And and in fact, you know, Carolyn Beasley is ranked fourth in the last quarter. Beasley, run by Caroline, did fifty nine million in revenue. Greg Ashlock's radio station group while a lot more stations, they did $605 million, okay? Carolyn Beasley won't see $605 million in her lifetime in terms of revenue at Beasley. (laughs) But Ashlock does that every quarter. I think he got shortchanged. He should be way above Ed Ed Atzinger at at Salem. He should be above Daryl Brown at Bonneville, Susan Larkin at Odyssey. You know, he 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 should be top five in my book. Who do you think is underrated? Well, I've got a couple of uh, nominations. Uh, one is uh, Ron Stone, who runs the Adams Radio Group, small radio group, but he also has started the IBA, the Independent Broadcasters Association. And I think they're doing more for small market radio than the NAB has done in 30 years, and <laughs> arguably as much or more than the RAB. So I'd say Ron Stone is underrated. I'd say Bill Wilson. Now, and he's not as powerful, doesn't run as many stations, but 
He's been a real rule breaker in his reliance at Town Square Media on developing those digital assets that he now claims are close to 50% of his gross revenue. So I think Bill Wilson is underrated. If you're talking about powerful, I understand Bob Pittman's more powerful, but Bill Wilson sure has set an interesting pace with Town Square Media. Uh, you have anybody else on your underrated list there, Keith? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, um, you know, there's, there's a... Obviously, Radio Inc., who publishes this list, also sponsors and hosts and puts on an annual Hispanic radio conference in Miami. I went to it one year when it was down in San Diego, and it's really well done. But I think they're really playing up to their audience in Hispanic radio in this case. Um, and, and, but I, but I, and, I, but I, and so they've included a lot of the guys from the various groups. But the one I think who's probably underrated is Jeff Lieberman. You mentioned Bill Wilson and Town Square and their digital first strategy and using radio to promote their digital services and vice versa. Uh, but Jeff Lieberman and 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 Walter Alua, uh, who's the um, who's his chairman of the board at at, at Entrevision, have really built a diverse uh, kind of a- digital advertising radio television group, and and so I, I think I think Jeff at twenty seven, you know is a lot more competitive with guys like uh, Raul Alarcon or uh, Jesus Lara at Univision. He should be closer to those guys than he is in this list. Because you know, he he's a real competent manager. He runs a solid group, and they're really diversified. And they're doing some very exciting things in Spanish language. So I think he's, he's probably my other one that's, uh, that's underrated. Let's see, who else here? Bill Reeves, I think, is underrated because no one knows who he is. But he's the guy that runs... <laughs> Educational Media Foundation, and this is a, a Christian radio group, and they are the second largest station owner right. in the United States of America, right behind Bob Pittman and Richard Bressler at iHeartMedia. And to, for him to be down at 28 on the list, you know, when you've got people running tiny groups like Bob Profit at Alpha in the top 10 or 11? It doesn't mean I, I'd, I'd give I'd give uh, uh, Bill Reeves and Jeff Lieberman uh, a little bit of a move up there. All right, that's good. And and you know EMF uh, not only is the second largest, they have been about the only buyer of radio stations the last couple of years. So talk about powerful. If you want somebody to write you a check and you're selling a station, EMF is your first call. Okay, yeah. let's talk about who might be overrated. Who did you Ooh. did you see anybody on the list that you thought was overrated? Oof, oof. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, first on my list is is Gordon Brown or Gordon Smith, who runs the uh, the NAB. Cl- clicks in at number eighteen. Yeah, I think he should be on the list, but you know, I think a courtesy appointment down in the thirties to forty is probably where he should go. I don't know that you know. I, is the NAB really helping uh, our case, uh, or is it still as TV centric as it always was? Well, it is extremely TV-centric. There's no question about that. The, the problem is, is that radio and TV don't matter as much in communities and in the media business the way they used to. Uh, Gordon's around for another couple of years. He makes a great living. NAB's got an enormous budget, so I don't think any of that's going to change. But I agree in terms of power. His power has been greatly diminished by the advent of digital media. Tell you who's overrated in my book and uh, in this market. Uh, it's uh, Daryl Brown, who runs Bonneville. Mm. I, I think uh, they are just hanging on. I don't think they're going to grow. I don't think they're doing anything. They're just kind of hanging on. Now, they have great markets, great stations. But in this market, in Seattle, they've got a Cairo cluster that is not a very strong cluster. 
and uh, they've got a big news talk, and they've got a couple of conservative talk stations and, and a sports station. But they had an absolutely fabulous opportunity to add the major news talk commercial station in the market in Como. They could have had two FMs and two more AMs. Where they could have spun off the AMs without any problem, but they could have had two more FMs and really been a competitor in this market, and they passed. And Lotus picked those stations up for a measly $5 million in cash and some trinkets and trade and a couple of T-shirts. So I say Daryl Brown is uh, highly overrated. Anybody else? You mentioned Bob Profit. Yeah, you know, Bob, you know, I, I got to give you know those guys a little bit of a, of a hassle because he's at 14 on the list. And uh, he's just had to drag his country, uh, company through uh, bankruptcy. You know, he was he was right in there when they wanted to buy Digity, which uh, ended up uh, driving them into bankruptcy because they couldn't pay the bills <laughs> even after selling West Palm Beach. So I think I think at uh, at fourteen and have him one spot ahead of Greg Ashlock? No way, not in my book. You know, I also think too that you know you know what two guys from from SBS broad, uh, you know the Spanish broadcasting. Uh, Raul Alarcon at, at 17 might be a little bit overrated, but might be about right. But to have his uh, COO pop in there ahead of the guy that runs Morello, Otto Padron, I, I don't see that. Yeah, I just yeah. think, you know, I think that the, the editors are trying to pump the Hispanic guys up a little bit. And I think, you know, even Jesus Lara, who's president of the Univision uh, radio division, you know, Univision doesn't want to be in radio. They don't like radio. They are television first. And, you know, my sources inside Univision were always like, who are these radio knuckleheads, Keith? What's going on? You know, so for him to be up at number six, oh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that uh, are, are doing a lot of heavy lifting that didn't, uh, didn't score higher. Well, and on my short list of who should be celebrated, there are a couple of people who are on the list that, um, you know, I, I have long had a lot of respect for Erica Farber. She's a tremendous advocate for radio. She's been in the trenches. She knows what she's doing. She's a smart spokesperson for the radio business. So I think mm -hmm. she's somebody who should be celebrated. I think Jeff Warshaw, who is truly a radio rat, run the wires for the console kind of a guy. He mm -hmm. loves radio. I think it shows. He's a real advocate, and he's very vocal. He, he, he absolutely pulls no punches. He would make a great guest on Media Insultant because – like us, he doesn't pull any punches. So those are a couple of people that I think should be celebrated in addition to their ranking in the top 40. Not much change in this uh, 40 year, but I do have one suggestion, and that is maybe they do a top 20 most powerful and top 20 who are changing the business. And the question there is... Can we find twenty people who are really having an impact and changing the business? So yeah, yeah, I, I think I think your your segmentation of that's probably right. I mean, you know, twenty five years ago, yeah, there were you know it was it was you know pre consolidation, you know, it was a lot of groups, a lot of group heads, and now they've all gone away, and now the, the power of our business is consolidated into you know according to them, you know, basically uh, Mary Bernard, David Field, and Bob Pittman. And yet there are some real powerful doers out there, people that That's are right. really making the business go and survive in, a, in, a, in this environment. Maybe it's time for them to rethink kind of how they structure this. I mean, coming up is the, is the what, the 20 best bosses in radio? Who's the best boss? Clearly, your, your buddies at Radio Inc. are thinking that the, the, the success for their publication is all based on lists. We got to have more lists. And so they do it. 
Yeah, and they do it successfully. I think I think they do a, a really good job overall. And so my hat's off to them. We've given some people a hard time, but that's part of being a media insultant is we get to do that. <laughs> All right, one quickie before we get out of here. Yeah. The FCC radio auction 109 is over, and there are two takeaways. First of all, iHeart gets a new signal in Sacramento for almost $7 million. This is the old intercom signal that they gave up when they bought CBS because they ran into so much trouble with the hold your we to pee contest or whatever that was called that they did. Yeah, holding your we for a we. Yeah, it was go. the uh, video right. game contest and the and the woman died. Ugh. Yeah, exactly, which is not the goal of the contest. <laughs> but the yes. other thing that was interesting is in addition to that sale of a Sacramento signal to iHeart, four full power AM radio stations in St. Louis fail to even get one bid in 25 rounds. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was uh, Adam Jacobson at RBR who headlined, it was 109 reasons at play on the radio auction 109, that AM radio truly is dead. When a major market, St. Louis is, I don't know, 23, 24, can't get any bids on an AM radio station, it's over. It's over. Hey, we have something special coming up uh, next Tuesday. We're doing a little deviation here. We've had a lot of fun with Media Insultant for the past uh, year or so. But the truth is, Keith, sometimes I wonder if we're operating in kind of a 90s bubble, media bubble, you know? I mean, there are so many things we do based on our experience over the last 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. So what I thought we would do, what we both got together and thought would be fun, would be to bring some other people in and do a little interview. So we're bringing in Melissa Durfee Davis, a hugely respected local media director at some of Seattle's legendary agencies, Colin Weber, DNA, Green Rabuno, Rabino. There we go. I know I'd get it out sooner or later. So, uh, Keith, quickly, uh, is there something you want to ask Melissa that we can ask her in this interview next Tuesday? Well, yeah, I, I want Melissa to catch us up on on kind of how agencies and media departments specifically are viewing television, radio, even print. You know, versus digital, and 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 the great thing about Melissa is that is that, like us, she spans a few years, and uh, like us, she looks great. And <laughs> another great reason to tune in. But but Melissa can kind of take us through the context of being inside an ad agency through the last thirty five, forty years, and growing up in the business and seeing what those changes are, and 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 where we are, you know, currently coming out not only of COVID but dealing with you know the uh, onslaught of all the digital uh, options that that are really peeling billing away from uh, television and radio stations and certainly from print and telling us you know kind of how 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 do you how do the how do you budget these days and, and I'm even curious too about how the sales process has changed yeah yeah I think that's going to be real interesting so let's do that next Tuesday it'll be the 17th media consultant our guest will be Melissa Durfee Davis so until Thursday that's day after tomorrow, Keith, when we do another episode of Media Insultant with just you and me, no guest. Next Thursday, we'll do another episode. You go and have a good week, Keith. You too, Jackson. I'll see you Thursday.